Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Volume. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? What? Charles Darwin. The nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Breber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are going to be doing our NBA draft big board through the lottery our top 14 prospects in this class it is draft season so we're going to have a bunch of content for you guys on this over the next week plus but logan let's start with the number one guy indisputably victor Wembanyama. what is it that makes him so generationally so special so clearly the top guy in this class for people who maybe haven't gotten as into the weeds watching him but have heard all of the historic hype about this guy. Well, first, Carson, it's just rare that you see a guy with this size, with this kind of skill set. He's seven foot four, 230 pounds, with an eight foot wingspan, uh, and he has amazing, amazing skills uh, coupled with that. He's a really good, fluid shooter. Uh, you see all the difficult shot making on display in this one pull up, jump shooting, step backs, uh, yeah, making crazy corner threes. He's knocking down floater threes. And I think he'll be able to initiate from the perimeter. He's got a really smooth, wide handle that allows him to just get to open space the way smaller guys can't. Like, it's just really easy for Wemby uh, with his long strides to, to get to open space in one quick, fluid motion. And so I think offensively, you're looking at a guy that at this size can legitimately create from the perimeter for his teammates and for himself. But I think the thing that stands out about him mostly is the versatility that we should see from Wemby on offense. That says not only an initiator from the perimeter with the ball in his hands, but as a pick and roll role man, where I think he is going to be an absolute force. Uh, he's uh, slight framed right now, but I think he could be a genuinely great post hub one day. And so offensively, man, I, I just think he has the potential to be the complete package. He's already really developed there again with an amazing array of skills, but I think as he grows could be uh, a complete offensive engine and one of the best on the floor on that end. And then when you look at him defensively, I think the potential there is even greater, man. The two-way complete value of this kid is insane. I think he's going to be a great rim protector 
Again, eight-foot wingspan is absolutely absurd. He should be a uh, one of the best rim protectors in the league one day. He's a really good athlete. And then he's also pretty switchable, too. He doesn't look uncomfortable on the perimeter. He's uh, His wide base, his long arms allow him to gamble and play back a little more than other guys, too, which will help him. But, again, he moves really fluidly. Uh, around the perimeter too so I think he's going to be a great all-around defender as well but the thing that makes him special is is that you know he has the potential to be and this is not hyperbolic for people that have not watched him potentially the best offensive player in the world one day along with the best defensive player in the world one day and that is a rare combination uh, I think my biggest concern with Wemby right now is probably uh, just his frame uh, you know, he's probably going to need to add to that a little more with the bigger centers in the league. And I don't just mean the Jokic's and Embiid's of the world, but also the Steven Adams, the Jonas Valanciunas, the Nikola Vucevic's, guys who are just really freaking strong. You know, I think he's going to need to bulk up to deal with those guys because they're going to be a handful uh, for smaller guys like Wemby. But again, man, a generational talent in terms of just skill set in a freakish body. And again, I think the biggest thing about Wemby is he has the potential to be the best player on both sides of the ball. That's a rare combination, and uh, that's why he's definitively number one to me and uh, maybe the best prospect that we've seen since LeBron. That hype is real. I do believe that he's the best prospect since LeBron, and we are looking at a truly unique one-of-one level of versatility and two-way ceiling at this position and also floor because I think Wemby does so many things exceptionally well that the foundation of his game is going to be all-world defensive player. He is a guy who for his size should not be as fluid, should not have the kind of feet that he does out on the perimeter handling switches and of course his length there, eight-foot wingspan, one of the longest we've ever seen in the league allows him to affect so many jump shooters in a really unique way and then around the rim he can just be this eraser with those same physical attributes and then I think just a tremendous sense of timing instincts gobble up rebounds so the kind of guy who is going to force entire offenses to game plan around avoiding him effectively and then on the other side of the ball I think the foundation is going to be this dominant, really complementary piece because I think pick and roll is going to be where he thrives the most when you consider his shooting ability as a popper and then what he can do attacking closeouts if defenses are forced to respect him there, which they will be, his comfort putting the ball on the floor, his fluidity there, the ability to get into the lane, get to his floaters and touch shots and runners. And then just the fact that as a roller, he is a comically massive target. Like, the dude just has such a wild catch radius, is so agile and legitimately athletic getting up as a lob target that it's just a nightmare situation to defend no matter what. And with high-level NBA guard play, guys who can hit him in his spots, that's just going to be so efficient, possession to possession. And then you have the other stuff that he can do, just cleaning up in the paint. In the dunker spot, this massive target, good cutter moving into open space, a guy who's going to have tons of putback opportunities. In transition, great running the floor, good athlete, huge target there, but also a guy who can be your trailer and can kill you with threes. Like all of those things 
And then his playmaking value, his ability to dissect you as a short roller and just to make good reads within the flow of an offense, he's going to be highly productive, highly efficient offensively, and then dominant defensively. I do think the swing traits that are going to determine is he like an all-NBA kind of guy or is he the best player in the world are, number one, his post-up game where I think he already has the ability to create himself sh- solid shots on any possession because he's seven foot four and a good shooter of the basketball. And he has really special body control. When you look at his ability to hit these spinning turnarounds and fadeaways on any possession, it's an incredibly special ability to have, but it's also not necessarily great offense. And he doesn't thrive creating those high probability opportunities out of the post around the rim because he doesn't bully people. He doesn't have that dimension of physicality to his game yet. So he does rely on his size advantage to create jump shots out of the post. And accordingly, he shot under 41% out of the post this year. So I do want to see him add that physicality. And I think that'll make him a great post hub because we've already seen that he's so good spotting cutters and shooters. If you send a second defender his way, it's a really, really impressive trait to have at this young age. And then I think the other key thing is going to be what level of perimeter creation does he reach? Because we all see the highlights and they are ridiculous. The step backs, the one-legged three-pointers. And Wemby does have a level of fluidity that is legitimately wing-like out there. Like, talk about last year, Chet Holmgren, how impressive he is as a shooter and ball handler for his size. Wemby is three inches taller and is just on a different level with the crosses, the -the off-the-dribble shot creation that you see from him, the ability to shoot off movement, coming off screens from any angle with any level of contest. It's just absurd. I do want to point out though, there's a reason he's only 27% from deep this year. And it's not because of his shooting ability, which I think is great. It's really because of the degree of difficulty of a lot of these shots. Like right now, you don't want to be relying on Wemby step backs as a focal point of your offense. Because it's just not overly efficient. I mean, the man may be an unprecedented talent. He is not a literally perfect basketball player, though. And I also want to see him become more of that physical driver downhill. Because I mentioned his ability to attack closeouts. He does often find himself, right now though, taking shots from that 8 to 10 foot range, going to those runners. He's not going through people. He's not getting to the rim, right? He has a good frame, good build, I think, to add more muscle. And I think that that's going to be important to him being an offensive hub. I think he's going to be a very good offensive player. Is he a guy who you build your offense around running through him high volume touches where he is the primary creator? I don't know yet. And so that's why I want to set expectations for this because I think Wemby's going to be an all NBA guy, period, point blank. I think he's a generational prospect. I also think though... There are some people who are saying, like Chris Broussard, I think of, if he's not Akeem Olajuwon or Kevin Durant, if he's not better than those guys, then that's a disappointment, which is just insane. There are still things that need to be refined with him. There are improvements to be made. The physicality, the consistency of the perimeter shot making, the imposition as a post-up scorer, but I have certainly never seen anything like him. I mean, he literally just faces you up, jab, pull, right in your mouth. It doesn't matter. He will shoot over anybody. And he creates shots that like we've never seen from anybody else because of his skill at his size. So no question Wemby is number one, 
But I do think it'll be interesting to see how good he is offensively from the jump because I don't think it's just going to be like a walk in the park in every single phase, but his versatility is nuts. So here's where it gets interesting, Logan. Wemby is a no-brainer, number one. Who's your number two prospect in this class? Yeah, uh, number two I know is really highly contentious uh, across the league, and a lot of guys like Scoot Henderson at two. Uh, I'm a Brandon Miller guy, and so Brandon Miller is number two on my board out of Alabama. Uh, He put up 28-2 and last season on 44-40-86 splits. He's 6'9", 200 pounds with a 6'11 wingspan, and he's 20 years old. And uh, he plays smaller than he is, and I mean that in the best way possible, Carson. He's just really smooth, really fluid, and a good athlete for a guy in a wing's body. And I know a lot of people are, are uh, they're saying that Miller's athleticism is kind of overrated. I don't think it is. I think he's a really good athlete, and I think he's a really great shooter. Now, I think initially, I think Brandon Miller is going to be in a complimentary role, and I hope he goes to a team that has a really good point guard, uh, because I think he could be a really great complimentary piece off the bat. And what I mean by that is in terms of just spot-up shooting, knocking down open looks that are created for him, and then attacking closeouts, uh, I think he will be elite at off the bat. But he has real go-to wing scorer uh potential as you know one of the best scoring wings in the league one day and it starts with his jump shot his pull-up jump Mm -hmm. shooting uh his athleticism and his accuracy from deep uh one of his best traits outside of his shooting and ability to create off the dribble is uh when he goes to the rack how efficiently he is at uh drawing uh foul calls he averaged 4.7 free throw attempts per game uh last season one of the best marks in the league he's great at drawing fouls and dealing with contact but there are areas where, you know, I think uh, Miller does need to improve in. Primarily, he needs to get better at finishing at the rack and inside the arc. He shot 46% inside the arc last season. And I think the biggest thing, I think it would be so funny, Carson, if he went to Charlotte. I love the fit alongside LaMelo because I think they complement they complement each other so well. Mm-hmm. And I just think long-term, high productive scoring wing off ball and on ball. And then LaMelo ball, one of the best primary creators in all of basketball. Both are pretty horrendous at finishing at the rim right now. Those are big areas of improvement for both of them. LaMelo was statistically the second worst at-rim finisher in the league this season. He was like 54% on at-rim attempts. That's the biggest area of concern for me for Miller right now is just, uh, again, he draws a lot of fouls, but he needs to get better at finishing through contact and getting a little craftier through the lane. I think that would be hilarious pairing those two up. Although, again, I think they work uh, really well together. But... Uh, long term, so I think he needs to get better at finishing at the rack. I also think he needs to develop as a playmaker. But again, these guys are not complete prospects right now. It's going to mm-hmm. take time. Uh, my comparison for him, and this is, again, all the praise in the world, uh, I think at his peak could be a Paul George kind of guy. And what I mean by that, too, is the way Paul George developed. He became a better playmaker and ball handler uh, as he developed. So I think, uh, and I think he's going to be a great defender, too, man. Uh, the athleticism, the long wingspan. Uh, he's engaged. He's a great trailer, too. I like pick and roll, um, uh, sh- uh, blocking shots uh, on guys that get past him. Uh, so I think he's got great two-way value, but I think off the bat, he's going to be a great spot-up and complimentary guy wherever he goes because of his ability to attack closeouts and shoot well. But at his peak, could be a go-to guy in terms of getting buckets and playmaking at a high level. I- again, I think he needs to improve on finishing at the rack, playmaking, and his handle. Uh, but I think his floor is really high as well. And the the distinction for me between him and Scoot, 
Scooch Jumper needs a lot of work, and I just wonder about shot selection and whether he's going to be able to ever be a great shooter at a high level. I think Brandon is going to be a good playmaker and a great ball handler one day when I just question a little more things about Scoot. I love both of these guys. I want to make it clear. I just like Brandon a little bit more um, because of his shooting ceiling. I think there's a lot of untapped potential that you can get into there with pull-ups, with just perimeter creation uh, that I just like a little bit more in Brandon. And I think there's so many roles on both sides of the ball that he can fill at a very high level where it's hard for me to see him really failing. So I have Brandon Miller number two as well. It is as marginal as can be between him and Scoot, but we'll do a mock draft later down the line. I do think fit-wise it makes sense for him to go to Charlotte, pair LaMelo with a really dynamic wing. And I do think that Brandon Miller is a great wing prospect. I've said before to me, maybe the best true wing prospect since Brandon Ingram. And it's interesting to me that some people seem to have soured on Brandon Miller and are saying, oh, how could you take him over Scoot when he's not a truly great wing prospect and Scoot is this remarkable guard prospect? I just don't agree with that thinking. I mean, people were talking about Jabari Smith as up until an hour before the draft, the guy who was going to go number one overall. And I think that Brandon Miller just possesses a different level of ball handling, feel as a ball handler. I do think that he has an athletic advantage. I think he has a playmaking and potentially a defensive advantage. But it does start with just this unbelievable shooting. I mean, 40% from deep on seven and a half attempts per game, 86% from the line. And at his height, can get good looks off out of any action basically whenever he wants. So you think about how many ways you can create a high quality look for him there. The pull-up game, is lethal given his handle, height, and shooting combination. But as a spot-up shooter, he was 40% from deep. Out of handoff, small sample size, but he was over 52% from deep. So automatically, that is just such a great weapon. But then you have the more advanced offensive skill, which is where I think he really starts to set himself apart as a great prospect I'm very impressed with his handle for a 6'9 college freshman. I think he's got hesitations, he's got in and outs, and then he just has that shot creation, the wiggle to his game, the fluidity, the step backs that you see, and actual skilled finishing in the lane, good touch on runners, and then just this feel, this understanding of how to manipulate defenders where he can get guys in jail, out of pick and roll, seal them off on his back. You mentioned his Foul drawing ability, great job of working his way into easy and ones. Just putting guys in compromised positions on top of this incredible shooting skill at his height. And he does have some nice playmaking moments on film. And especially as the season went along, like conference tournament March Madness, he was three and a half assists per game. It's not like an outstanding number, but I think he's a heads up transition passer. I think he's a guy who has an understanding of what to do out of pick and roll. That's not to say that he can't be affected there, can't make mistakes. I think against San Diego State, which was a brutal game for him that maybe left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. You see spots where their length, their defensive activity affects him, but he is seeing the game at an impressive level. A lot of guys, you know, with that kind of shooting and scoring ceiling could have total tunnel vision. And I don't think that Brandon Miller is one of those guys. I think he's going to be awesome in transition, runs the floor well, good athlete, lethal shooter. That's a great combination. And then I really like his defensive 
ceiling because I think he is going to be a multi-positional impact kind of guy. He has this secondary rim protection to him where he uses his length and athleticism and timing to affect a lot of shots. He's got really good hands, but then he can also play this like help and recover role and contest a lot of guys. He is someone who Alabama is not afraid to match up with like dynamic guards at the point of attack. And he moves very well laterally and his length can help him there. He's a very good positional rebounder over eight boards a game in college. So I do think there's some areas he needs to improve. I agree with you about the rim pressuring. I agree with you about the overall strength. I think that that's something that'll help him on both sides of the ball. If he can become a more physically imposing presence and sure, He's got to get better as a playmaker, but that applies to like everybody coming into the league. He has the tools, the moments that make me buy into him. So I love Scoot. I think Scoot's amazing. I think though that because of the multitude of roles that Brandon Miller can potentially play at a high level offensively, pick and roll ball handler, getting a shot for himself and others, and this great off-ball weapon because of his tremendous shooting ceiling where he certainly doesn't have to dominate the ball and then a higher level of defensive impact just because although I think Scoot has great traits there he's a guard and these bigger wings can just impact the game defensively in more areas especially when they have that real secondary rim protection to them like Brandon Miller does so I think we're looking at a guy who could easily be a 25 point per game scorer who is a plus player in every category on both sides of the ball with this incredibly special shooting ability, tying it all together, making him a potential superstar. I just think Brandon Miller is an absolute stud, and I do think he deserves to be the number two pick in this draft. But Scoot is also amazing. So what puts him in a separate class from everybody below him? It's Scoot's ability to pressure the rim, Carson. I mean, you're looking at a guy who could be a... Uh, a primary initiator a la a Russell Westbrook who can just get downhill mm-hmm. at will, who can explode to the rim. And what makes those guys special? Well, it's not just that their ability to get to the rack and create easy offense. That's very important uh, in rock fights and crucial games, getting down into the paint and getting easy offense. But it's their ability to collapse the defense and create uh, shots for everyone around them. That's what Scoot's great at. He averaged 17 points, five boards, and seven assists a night uh, for the G League Ignite last season. And, yeah, I mean, he's multifaceted, right? He is a good rebounder. He is a great passer. And he's got that dog in him. You know what I mean? I really Mm -hmm. love Scoot's just mentality and energy that he brings to the floor, man. He's a gamer. He's a guy who you can see the passion uh, every time he plays. He wants to win. You know, it it means something to him. Uh, I love J.J. Reddick's quote about, like, Austin Reeves. He's a dick. Yeah, man, Scoot's, he wants to win. You know, it means something to him. And so I think that's important, too. So... I think when you were looking at some of the best athletes in this draft, I think that Scoot is among them. But uh, what's the biggest concern about him? It is his shooting and spacing concerns, right? Um, Are are guys just going to sag off of him and let him shoot? You know, that's something that we have to be concerned about. I think that Scoot is really good. The thing that I think that could make him a special shot maker along with an elite rim pressure is his ability to create separation off of the dribble, right? Mm-hmm. Getting to the spots and getting to the space on the floor to make 
and take these looks is not an issue with Scoot. He can create all the separation in the world. He can get to these looks at will because you have to respect him so much as a rim pressure that guys just inherently play off of him a little more and go towards the rack because that's where he's most dangerous. They're okay with conceding those looks where he's off the dribble and has to make these tough mid-range shots. Last season uh, in the G League, Scoot shot 24% on jumpers. He shot 28% from deep. He shot 33% on step backs and 35% on pull-ups. So that's a big concern, right, is just creation off of the dribble. Where a guy's just going to play drop on him and concede those looks all game. He's going to have to force them. Uh, he's he's going to have to punish them. For that. He's a 35% shooter out of the mid-range. He made just 43% of his shots in the paint non-restricted area. So that's a big concern. I think that if you're concerned about him creating in the half court, I think that's overblown. I think you give this guy a screen and some space to work. He's going to be effective. He's going to get downhill, and he's going to be a great playmaker for the team. But long-term, in terms of genuine star, one of the best guards in the league, uh, that's the big concern. It's just the jump shot. Can he comp- uh, Can he space the floor? Can he be a complimentary guy to other guys off ball where he's knocking down open looks? And then is he going to be able to create off of the dribble? That's how he unlocks himself as one of the best guards in basketball. You know, I've got him comp to somebody like Russell Westbrook right now, Carson. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just because of the shooting concerns. You know, if that comes along, if he is a deadly shooter off the dribble and from behind the arc, you are looking at a complete offensive engine and complete offensive guard that can affect the game offensively in basically every way. And then defensively, I think, I don't think he's going to be a liability. I think he's somebody that the defense could pick on a little bit just because he's 6'2". He's got a 6'9 wingspan. He's very active. He gives a lot of, He gives a lot on that end, though, man. Like I said, this is a guy who cares. He's got a lot of heart. Um, and, he, and he turns those possessions, those steals, into transition opportunities, into easy offense. Uh, like nobody else because of his athleticism. But those are my big concerns. But still one of the best prospects in the draft. And if the jumper comes along, you're looking at maybe one of the best guards in basketball. There really is a lot of rust to his game, man. Because it's a unique combination of explosive quickness and power and vertical athleticism that those two share. Nobody in the league at their peak right now has that. Like, Jaw, obviously, is insane in terms of quickness and his aerial ability. But he does not go through people like Scoot Henderson does. I mean, he's just a bull, and nobody can contain him at the point of attack. He's a great finisher, so I think he's going to be a dominant rim pressurer. And then is a really good playmaker, like ahead of the curve there. He's heads up, he loves his bounce passes, he's really capable of throwing advanced one-handed passes with a live dribble, he's good at adapting when he's collapsing the defense to hit guys, and is a very, very good ball handler too. So he's an incredibly skilled offensive player on top of this otherworldly athleticism. He can occasionally be reckless passing, Three and a half turnovers a game, I think, is a bit of a reflection of that. But he's also just got the ball in his hands a lot. When it comes to his jump shot, I agree that that is a swing trait. But I also think he's in the rust tier where he's not going to be, in any world, to me, a horrible jump shooter. And maybe people would say, well, uh, Russ is a horrible jump shooter. But I don't think at his apex that that was true. I think Russ was always able to work his way to those mid-range pull-ups and uh, 
the elbows and whatnot. I think Scoot has shown a real comfort from the mid-range. Even if the numbers aren't great, I think mechanically his shot looks solid. It's fluid. He's confident in it. And then a capable pull-up jump shooter from beyond the arc. So I think that that is what teams are going to attempt to force Scoot into. But I think, again, as long as you can reach that like jaw level of respectability where you're shooting in the low 30s from deep, you're still incredibly difficult to contain getting downhill and you're not like consistently shooting your team out of games. And that's where I think Scoot will be. And maybe I'm higher on his defense than you. I agree. And as I said, in relation to Brandon Miller, he can't have the same kind of versatile impact just because of size, but he has great positional length. He's got a great motor. He is a good rebounder. He's got great hands. He can legitimately block shots with his athleticism. So, I expect him to be a plus defender at the next level. So yeah, maybe the shot, the defensive dynamics give him a bit of a lower floor than a Brandon Miller to me, but I just think he's going to be one of the great downhill star guards in the league. He could be the best of his prime. So I love Scoot. I think all three of these guys, I would be surprised and disappointed if they are not all-stars. Who do you have at number four? Logan uh, this one is actually kind of tough but I have a men Thompson here uh, from overtime elite uh, and uh, like Scoot I think the biggest thing with him is the uh, swing trait with his jumper he shot 25% from deep 66% from behind or uh, from the line but I think there's a lot to like about Thompson's game uh, too you start off that he's a guard at 6-7 he's in a really good playmaker man can just see over the defense can see angles that aren't there for other playmakers. He's a really good at-rim finisher combined with that same explosive uh, burst and verticality, man. Uh, he's He can jump out of the building, man. Some of these dunks, some of the stuff that you see from him uh, in transition in the half court is really remarkable. Like, he glides through the mm -hmm. air. Um, and again, he's got burst. He's got nice change in pace. He's got a nice handle. And he's a really good playmaker. I think he's a really intuitive and capable defender, too, that can fill in a lot of roles, too. I think he's switchable. Um, I think he'd be a great shot blocker, a great point of attack guy. I think, again, the biggest thing is the development of a mid-range game and an inside-the-arc uh, game, just that in-between area when you're going up against the elite rim protectors at the NBA level. Um, yeah, that's my biggest thing is just half-court concerns, you know, is – uh, are teams just going to let him shoot? Are they going to play supreme drop on him and let him take those jump shots? Uh, because he wasn't as effective in the half court. Both him and Asar saw a pretty mm -hmm. big drop off in there. And that's only going to be remedied by um, a, a jumper coming along where they really struggled. But he's a supreme athlete. He's a great at-rim finisher. He's a really good playmaker. And I think he's going to be a plus defender too. So, you know, I don't like him nearly as much as Miller or Scoop, but I think Amen's going to be a, a really good player uh, at his floor. But again, he can fully unlock himself by uh, becoming a great off-the-dribble shooter and just shooter in general. He's so intriguing because there is really no comparison for Amen Thompson. He has the quickest first step of any six foot seven guy I've ever seen with this incredible vertical athleticism, as you mentioned. And then he has these genius playmaking moments. Like I think historically, you would have to look to a Penny Hardaway as the sort of comparison. So that's why I think he has to be up here. And to me is still solidly in that four spot. You mentioned the transition dominance. 
if he is the guy grabbing and going, pushing as a ball handler, or if he's running the floor as basically a wing, which he's able to do a lot because he's got his brother, Asar, and they definitely do have some overlap where they can complement each other because they can thrive in that ball handler or explosive cutter transition lane filler role. He's just incredibly difficult to stop. And I do really love his playmaking. You mentioned the fact that he is just able to see over the top of the defense in a way that other guys can't at 6'7". I love his playmaking mentality. I don't think he's a guy who is sped up, really. I think he comes off a screen, goes into that hang dribble, and reads the floor, sees what's available, and then he can make pretty much every pass. He's got an incredible creativity to his playmaking. He's got a flash to him, like one-handed passes with zip, loves no looks, jump passes, a lot of it very well disguised. But it's not just like highlights. He is a guy who is going to create great shots for his teammates very, very consistently. And he does have, I think, that sort of primary ball handler archetype to him in a way that his brother Asar doesn't necessarily. And then his handle at 6'7", dude. I mean, it's the explosiveness of his movements, right? The ability to hesitate and then be right by you. The ability to cross and just get right by you. That is so, so special. I agree with you defensively. Great lateral quickness. Great positional length great hands, can be this monstrous help side shot blocker, and I think is a guy who's pretty consistently given effort there, so I would certainly expect him to be a plus versatile defender, but the key is polish, and this is what I've been saying about a man from the jump. He's got to get better as a finisher. I think he can improve his left hand. Sometimes he overcomplicates easy finishes. I really want to see more of that floater intermediate game because he's going to see a whole lot of drop and he's just got to be able to punish that in some way. Like, yeah, he can get to the rim more than anybody else out of those looks, but you can't be as effective as you need to to be a half-court star creator if you can't keep anybody honest with some sort of floater or mid-range pull-up game. And then really it's about his jump shot overall because I think mechanically it has been all over the place. It has been wonky as hell and he just fundamentally doesn't have good touch. So that's why when I look at Scoot, I say mechanically, okay, that's smooth. He's properly aligned. I believe in that shot improving a lot more than I do in amends. And if he really never turns into a capable shooter, I don't know. There's no archetype in the league right now for a great guard who cannot shoot at all. Like, Jaw is the low end of it, and Jaw's not a good shooter, but he is a respectable one. So, maybe that's the bust scenario for him. I think it has to be. But there are so many elite traits with the playmaking, the athleticism, the defensive potential, that I just don't think you can pass him by because guys like this do not come around. And I do think if there weren't such a stellar three prospects at the tro- at the top, he's the kind of guy who could be in the number one pick conversation because he's a really uniquely talented player. Who do you- This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You have right behind him at number five. Uh, at number five is one of my favorite prospects in the class, and I think the most underrated prospect in the class, and that's Kaysan Wallace. Uh, all the Whoa! guys above him, uh, I have uh, all of my top four, I think, are just in a different class as athletes, right? I don't think Kaysan is a uh, crazy athlete. He's dealt with some injuries and stuff, too. He doesn't have crazy burst off the dribble uh, like some of the guys at the top, but I just don't see a world in which Kaysan Wallace is a bad NBA player, and I think there is a world in which he becomes uh, a star. I just think he's so developed in terms of his veteran instincts and feel for the game. Right, doesn't have great bursts, but he's got great change in pace out of the pick and roll. He's a tremendous pick and roll ball handler where he's just consciously analyzing and reading the floor around him. When he makes those kicks out of the pick and roll, he is relocating off ball where he is a great shooter. I know he shot 35%. He's got great mechanics. He's a great catch and shooter. And again, he is always looking for open space to relocate off ball with the ball in his hands uh, out of the pick and roll. He doesn't like guys drive him off of his angles. He's really strong and can just get downhill and get to his spots. He's got a terrific terrific floater and in-between game. I think he's got great touch where I think he can score from everywhere on the floor. Um, And again, it's his complete ability as a guard where I think he can be on ball and be your lead ball handler immediately uh, in the league as a pick-and-roll ball handler at high volume or out of isolation. And then if you put him off ball as a two guard or alongside another really good ball handler, I think he's a really good complementary off ball shooter and relocator, like I said. But defensively, you are looking at one of the best defensive guards in this draft class. I've seen people comp him to Drew Holiday. I think that's crazy because Drew Holiday is one of the best point of attack lead guard defenders in NBA history. But Kaysan is a special, special defender. Like I said, strong, 6'4, with a 6'8 wingspan. He's a defensive playmaker in terms of getting into passing lanes, active on-ball hands, staying in front of guys. I think he is a great point-of-attack defender and one of the best defensive guards in this class. So at his floor, I think you are looking at a great connecting piece that can play with the ball in his hands, with the ball off of his, uh, you know, out of his hands on offense, and then defensively, you are looking at a lead point-of-attack defender. So again, I just think his floor is really, really high. 
but I think he has genuine star upside as a go-to lead creator in the league. I think this kid has all-star potential, Carson, and initially it's just so it's so crazy to see a guy with this kind of veteran instinct and feel for the mm-hmm. game out of the gate at 19 years old. Uh, Kaysan Wallace is my favorite prospect in this year's draft class. I don't mean that I like him more than Wemby or Miller, right. but I love his game. Yeah, you might be the highest person on Kaysan Wallace outside of Kentucky, man. Wow. So I thought that I was going to be high on him at number 11 on my board. Now, I agree with you on the high floor. And that's why I like him more than the other like late lottery guys. Because I am so confident that he's going to be a capable, good NBA player. However, I do feel like everybody above him has a different level, largely of athletic upside, of something that is really dynamic, an absolute standout trait. And I just don't know that Kaysan has that in the same way. I love his feel. I love his playmaking. I think he is very unselfish, very patient for a college freshman. He makes those pocket passes, kickouts to shooters like it's nothing. And he really doesn't make many mistakes at all. He just isn't an overly dynamic player. Like, I think he's got a good handle, but he lacks the sort of high-end burst to really weaponize it to consistently get downhill he's not a guy who's gonna put pressure on the rim and I do really love his floater and he loves his mid-range pull-up game and it's pretty good and he's got solid finishing creativity versus length but again he's just not consistently creating those opportunities because of what I would describe as pretty much solid burst and then defensively I do think he's good I also think though I'm not quite as high on him as you are I also do just want to say his official height from the combine is 6'2 and a half. He was listed at 6'4. He didn't look quite that big on film, and that ends up being the case. So I think he's going to have some limitations in terms of versatility there, even though I do like his length and I do like his motor and playmaking and his strength. I don't view him as a game changing player defensively. And then offensively, he feels more like a. Tyus Jones sort of to me if you will just like a really composed good shooter good touch good feel is gonna make everybody around him better but not a guy who I can see elevating an offense because we haven't seen that level of pull-up jump shooting ceiling from beyond the arc at all like he's not dynamic there he's not creating crazy stuff off the dribble with step backs he's not getting himself buckets in isolation He doesn't have that athletic ceiling. So I think you're too high on him, point blank. I love the enthusiasm, but I cannot justify him as a top five guy in this class. Yeah, I don't know. I think I I, I agree with you about the other guys, and I think there's a lot of other guys with athleticism here too um, and why they should be above him. I also think that uh, one of my big concerns too, we dealt with a back injury this last season that uh, concerns me about mobility and long-term stuff, but – I don't know, man. He's got a veteran feel for the game, and I think that I think the pull-up jump shooting will come. I think he showed flashes of it, and if he can extend his range to behind the arc, I think he's special. Um, no, he doesn't jump off the page at you, man, but uh, I really like him, dude, and I think he does have star upside. Uh, I, I think that, again, the numbers aren't crazy, but I think his game just really fits the NBA level 
Um, and so, yeah, I am really high on him, man. I think he's a special guy. I also have another one, man, that I don't know if you're going to really like that I'm way higher on the consensus than for my next guy. Okay, who is it? Uh, so who's number five for you? Do you want to get into that? No, I'll take him on whenever you get to him. Okay, at number six, uh, this is probably my second hottest take behind Kaysan. I have Keontae George out of Baylor. Ooh. Uh, I love his game, man. I think that you talk about, you know, you haven't seen these special scoring flashes from Kaysan. And I think that's I think that's a valid criticism, Carson, right? The lead playmakers at the NBA level are also dominant scorers. That's why they're so effective as playmakers, because they command so much attention uh, to them uh, from everywhere on the floor, right? And I don't know if Kaysan has that ceiling as a scorer. I definitely think Keontae does, man. This guy has special, special range, uh, NBA range. Wasn't terribly efficient last season, 38-34, 79 splits, 59 or 15 points per game. 59 points per game would be unreal, man. Probably the number one pick. Uh, he's a good uh, pick-and-roll creator right now. Uh, he's got all kinds of tough shots in his bag, man. Pull-ups, turnarounds, fades, that's also partially why he wasn't as uh, efficient as he could have been. But, again, I think he's got a complete scoring bag, man, in terms of getting downhill, too. Uh, drew a lot of fouls last season. Uh, doesn't hesitate at getting into that lane. I just think he is a complete offensive scorer. He finishes with both hands. He has tremendous touch. He's got great athleticism. He's got great burst. And so I think there is a real boom or bust area with here. I'm leaning on boom. I think he has star scoring level guard upside, but there is an area where he isn't terribly efficient and you have to put him in the, you know, six man kind of role where he needs to come off the bench and dominate those kind of minutes. So I think there really is a range of how good Keontae could be at the next level, but I'm banking on him being a star scoring guard. Again, he's got NBA range. He can score uh, really well from the perimeter and he can score from everywhere on the court. Uh, there's a lot of scoring guards that I like in this draft. Keontae is uh, my favorite. And so I've got him at number six. Wow. I know that's way higher than, than the consensus, but I think he is a flat-out bucket getter, and I like his upside in the long term. I am extremely intrigued by his upside. This combination of advanced perimeter shot creation, flat-out shooting skill, and playmaking upside, but... I do think he's a gamble because of mm -hmm. athletic limitations and inconsistencies, really. But you see so much awesome stuff from him. Just the level of wiggle and fluidity, the handle, the hesitations and in and outs, and the step backs, the tough pull-ups at six foot four. Like he's a tough shot taker and a tough shot maker. So I think his pull-up shooting ceiling is incredibly high. Only 34% from deep this year, but 79% from the line. I think he's very good pulling up or off the catch. I do think that there's a real role for him away from the ball as a sort of combo guard that allows him to fit in more situations. My biggest concern with him as a scorer, and it's a very real one, is that he is super reliant on that pull-up jump shooting. Mm -hmm. Like, he shot 42% on twos this year. And he doesn't create a ton of rim opportunities because he doesn't have that high-end first step. And then around the rim, I agree with you, he is skilled, he has some creativity, but he's forced into a lot of tough finishes. He's not that kind of above-the-rim athlete. And he's got some shiftiness, changing his pace to his game that helps him get into the lane, but he really does rely on those pull-ups. So when you can't consistently score in the paint, that's a concern for me. That still makes you an outlier in terms of the high-end scores in the league. And then his playmaking, I love the ceiling. I love the best moments. Like, he will 
whip passes to rollers. He throws some beautiful touch passes with anticipation. He throws lobs. He'll try to fit bounce passes into really tight windows. He'll throw these sort of audacious skip passes. I love that vision. I love that audacity, but he makes a lot of mistakes. More turnovers than assists per game, 2.9 turnovers this past year. He's not the most accurate passer, so those tight window attempts will come back to bite him a decent amount. Sometimes he just leaves too much loft on passes, which leads to turnovers, so he definitely needs refinement there. Okay handling traps, but a little bit prone to turnovers there as well. You looked at West Virginia, gave him some fits, throwing a lot of traps his way. So I love some of those tools that you see from him, scoring from the perimeter and playmaking. But when I think about his strengths, there's only so many spots for like primary ball handling guards, guys who really get to figure it out and work through all the kinks. And I do question, is he good enough at that? Considering that I think he'll be a average defender, maybe a slight plus, not a significant plus on that end to where teams are going to say, okay, Keontae, go figure it out. Because there's a lot of guys who can get a bucket in some way or another coming into the league. There's just an incredibly high level of basketball skill out there. That's why I'm tending to lean more on the guys who I have faith in having those great role player skill sets, having high levels of two-way impact, having clearly defined things that they can thrive at and excel with. So I like Keontae. I have him at number 12, actually, one spot behind Kaysan. I also thought that was a little bit higher than the consensus. I see definitely more of a star ceiling for him than Kaysan because of the dynamic shot-making ability. But you think about, like, star guards out there who don't put pressure on the rim. I don't know, like, Anthony Simons maybe could be an example but that's not the ultimate winning player sort of star guy. And yeah, I mean, Keontae's stronger. He's a little bit bigger, but he's also not as quick. So I think for me, the upside is there, but not like by enough to justify putting him over these other guys who I think still have high upside and have floors that I'm more confident. But I love the boldness, man. Keep it coming. Who you got at number seven? I, number seven is Sonogo. Shut up. Although I <laughs> do love, I do love Sonogo. I, I think he's a first round guy. I think he's going to go in the second round. Uh, I, I love Sonogo. Uh, number seven, I have a guy actually I had a very low opinion of uh, earlier uh, in the scouting process, and that's Jarris Walker. Um, I think Jarris is going to be an immediate defensive plus. That's an advantage that he has over a lot of guys. He's super strong, mm-hmm. seven foot three wingspan, crazy bunnies. Um, at the four spot, averaged over a steal and a block per game last season. I think at the NBA level, this is a guy who can run small ball five if you want him to. Just defensively, he's going to be a great plus. Rotations, IQ, engagement, playmaking. He's a legitimately great defender. And then offensively, has a skill set that I really like. Uh, showed flashes of tough shot making and shooting touch. Showed a bit of a floater game. Uh, showed that he can be a really good playmaker out of the short roll. And that's the biggest thing that I think about what translates from the college game to the NBA game is how much pick and roll that you can involve this guy in. Houston didn't run a lot of it last season. This is a guy who I think could be a great role man in terms of being a great playmaker, um, tough shot maker in the mid-range. He's got really good touch. And then just jamming it uh, out of the lo- you know, lob threats or going rolling to the rack and dunking on somebody. He's an explosive, explosive athlete. 
Uh, we touched on this a while back. I think the area that he needs to clean up is his inefficiencies. Loves tough shots, loves those turnarounds on the low block. It's just not super efficient. It's not the offense that you want to create when you're this strong, when you're this physically imposing and can explore other opportunities. But it is, it is promising that he's capable of making these tough looks for his long-term upside in terms of mm-hmm. his shot translating. And if he can become a great catch-and-shooter, can really legitimately space the floor, uh, you're looking at a, a really complete guy. Now, a lot of people like his ball handling. I don't think he's ever an initiator. He's capable of attacking closeouts. I don't think he's a guy that you want to initiate offense, but he's really well-rounded, man. He's really versatile. Mm-hmm. He's a great defender, and those are all pluses. You know, I played with Jairus in my top five. I think that he's a guy that could legitimately um, go in the top five. I like Jairus Walker's game a lot, and if he can clean up those inefficiencies, he's going to be a complete player. But I like his floor, and I really like his ceiling, man. I, I think he's a complete player. I have Jairus at number six. You just do not see guys who are built like this not even 20 years old, and he's 6'7", 250 with a 7'3 wingspan, the longest of any non-center that was measured at the combine. Impressive burst for his size. So, like, real distinct athlete. And I agree with you. He does so many things well. I love how he fits within the flow of an offense, moving to open space, cutting off ball. I think he's a fine spot-up shooter. The free throw percentage, about 64. Not great. 35% from deep, though, and I think mechanically looks solid. So he just has a bunch of ways to fit in. The pick-and-pop game, you mentioned his ability as a short roller to make decisions. Really good passer in terms of finding cutters, making some cross-court reads to shooters. And then he does have that bit of offensive skill to his game with the tough mid-range shot making, which I agree, I wish I wish that he relied on less. But that can't be his bread and butter. It's not a bad thing to have, though, in terms of trying to attack mismatches. He just should lean into his physical advantages more. And he's got a pretty good floater, pretty good finisher inside. So I just think he does a lot of things well offensively to where he's got a high floor there. He's never going to, like, demand... Uh, ball dominant style. He's just always going to work off of the players alongside him and compliment those guys. And then defensively, just insane physical attributes, aggressive help side rim protector, contest shooters well, and a really good defensive playmaker over a steal and over a block a game with really good ball instincts. So he's just a guy who I expect to fill a lot of roles at a high level. And maybe that's a theme of mine where I just see this abundance of imperfect guard talents who can do certain things very well but are lacking in other areas that I want to prioritize the guys who I think are high-impact two-way wings. And I think that Jairus Walker is one of the best guys in this class in that mold. So, fascinating, dude. We are going to be very different in our hierarchies here. Who do you have at number eight? Uh, Number eight is a guy that I think a lot of people have in my Kaysan Wallace, Keontae George range. I really like him, too. That's Anthony Black out of Arkansas. Mm. Uh, You talk about imperfect guards. You know, I think Anthony's in that same mold, but he's got great feel for the game. I think he's got really good, you know, just feel out of the pick and roll using snake dribbles, patiently Mm -hmm. getting to his spots and dictating offense. He's a great playmaker, um, can see over the defense at that height uh, like a men Thompson. I don't think he's a crazy athlete. You know, I think he's got really good bounce. I don't think he's, you know, one of these top-notch kind of athletes, but shifty, got a nice handle. I think he can be a lead ball handler. Um, The shot has to come along. I don't love his shot. Shot 31% from behind the arc. He doesn't shoot a ton in the mid-range. It's kind of hitchy, kind of slow. 
to me, Anthony's feet are always kind of in a different position when he shoots. That's a little strange to me, too. Uh, so I think the shot has to come along long-term for him to be a great scorer. But outside of that, I really like him, man. He's a great defender, two, uh, two steals per game. And so, yeah, you know, I don't know if he's got high-level scoring upside, but like you said, I think he's got a lot of tools where he's going to be well-rounded. He's a tall guy, he's a good rebounder, he's a really good playmaker, and he's a really good defender. So while I think he has deficiencies in maybe, you know, scoring upside, I think everything else, he kind of ticks the boxes. You know, I think he's going to be really well-rounded regardless. And again, has star upside if he can become a a dominant playmaker and a, a really good downhill threat. And if his shot comes along, everything else will fall into place. But he does too many things really well for me to be uh, way lower than him. So Anthony Black is number eight uh, on my board, and I do like him a lot. I have Anthony Black at number eight as well. I think he's great. I think he's clearly a better prospect than Wallace or Keontae George. And at 6'6", to have this level of craftiness, to have this level of poise, playing with good pace, but also having quickness for his size and his floater game. It's not great. He really likes it and he's got solid touch there, but it's really the playmaking, just the variety of passes you can make at that size, the hook passes, the lobs, fitting in bounce passes. That's my favorite attribute of his. He is a solid playmaker when trapped and doubled, can handle that pressure. Off ball is a guy who's good attacking closeouts. And then defensively, I think is awesome. And that's part of the reason that I think his floor is pretty high. Great navigating screens for his size, quick for his size, long, and just got a motor, dude. I mean, he is a dog all around and a good defensive playmaker, two steals a game this year. So really the only thing keeping him from being like closer to that top tier is the questions about his jump shot where there is a hitch to it, 30% from deep, 70% from the free throw line, but I think his blend of size and two-way upside and playmaking and athleticism for a big guard who's not even 20 yet, super impressive and uh, makes him a bona fide top 10 guy in this class. Who do you have at number nine? All right, number nine is a guy that I know a lot of people have is their number four or five. I've heard a lot of people very high on this kid. That's Cam Whitmore. And there's a lot to like with Cam Whitmore. He is a uh, freaky, freaky athlete, man. 6'7", 232, seven-foot wingspan, unreal bounce. And I think that's why if you're going to draft him highly, that's why you take him, is you think he has legitimate star-level upside. For me, I don't think he's developed enough as a perimeter initiator right now. You know, I just don't mm-hmm. love him with the ball in his hands. I think his bag is kind of limited. I think his on-dribble creation is kind of limited in terms of step-backs, pull-ups, um, and I don't think he has a deep bag to, like, you know, counter guys off the dribble to get to the rack, right? With a runway, this is a guy who attacking closeouts off the ball or with space as a cutter is throwing down ferocious jams. I just don't know if those lanes are going to be there without him having a crazy uh, ball handling bag right now. But again, that's why you draft him. This kid's 18 years old. If you think he has the raw tools, which he certainly does, if that handle does come along, you're looking at a guy that could be a star-level scoring wing. Defensively, has all the tools that you ask for. A long wingspan, active, strong base, strong guy. And you trust that he knows how to play basketball. The guy's out of Villanova. They just churn out ballers, guys who know how to play the game. 
Uh, I just think he's a little raw offensively, right? And I don't know his scoring skill set off the bat. This is a guy I think that you bank on long-term as being a star. But in terms of floor right now, he'll be a guy who can space the floor decently. He'll attack closeouts at a really high level. And he should be a, a, a good defender. Uh, I just don't see that crazy scoring skill set right now. Mm-hmm. But again, he's, he's really young. And so it's hard to project. He could very well be uh, a star-level scorer. I just don't see it right now. Um, from Cam Whitmore. So he's number nine for me. But he's crazy, crazy athlete, man. Yeah, I think that's important to emphasize how ridiculous his build is to talk about Jairus Walker. The dude's 6'6", 235 with a 40-plus inch vert. I mean, he is just a freight train. And I think he is a really good driver, straight line driver, a physical guy. I think he attacks closeouts at good angles. He can be a bit out of control, but he's just a very tough guy to stay in front of. And then he has this insane bounce that makes him such an aggressive and imposing finisher around the rim. He does drive left 80% of the time right now, which is kind of hilarious. Like he's just in lots of ways lacking offensive nuance, higher level skill development, but that athletic foundation, you, you can't build that dude. It's just insane. So I think as a transition weapon, as a closeout attacker, going to be a weapon. And then on ball, he's got some ball handling chops. He does love his step back, which I think looks fine right now. But there's very little impressive playmaking stuff on display from him. Just 0.7 assists per game at Villanova. Didn't play a full season there. Very young, but really out of pick and roll. It was kind of just like, oh, if they hard hedge and I have like a second to process, hey, there's the roll man. He's not anticipating as a playmaker. He doesn't have that consistent fluidity as a pull-up jump shooter. And then defensively, yeah, he's got the traits. He doesn't have insane length for his size, just a 6'8 wingspan, but has the strength, has the athleticism. I just think... Showed some bad tendencies where he's dropping his hands and just not contesting shooters as effectively as he could. Gets lost off ball sometimes. Not consistent top-notch effort to me. And I think he's prone to mistakes overall. Like guys can get a step on him by throwing a fake his way. So he has the defensive playmaking 1.4 steals per game. The upside because of the physical tools. And I do think is going to be a good player because it's like if he's a fine spot-up shooter and this kind of transition and close-out attacking force and at least solid defensively, that guy's going to have a career in this league, no doubt about it. But it is a bit harder for me to see the like star, star upside unless he starts to develop in those skill categories. And... The margin between Jairus Walker in my sixth spot and Cam Whitmore in my ninth spot, frankly, is just pretty slim. So I really like him because he's a special athlete. So I've got a couple of guys in my top seven who you haven't named yet, Logan. One of whom I'm really stunned by. Who you got at number 10? Uh, number 10, I have uh, Taylor Hendricks out of UCF. And uh, I just think he's a really good complimentary piece uh, immediately. I think he's going to be a really great role player. Uh, from the jump. I think a team like the Dallas Mavericks could really use him. Uh, he's going to be a great 3 and D-er, uh immediately. He's an elite-level shooter, 39%, uh, 39.4% on nearly five attempts per game. 6'9", 210 pounds, 
And, uh, yeah, man, I just think he's going to be a great role player uh, in terms of spot-up shooting, attacking closeouts at a very high level. Uh, so pick and roll, mm -hmm. man, as a uh, pick and popper. And then in terms of defense, yeah, I think he's going to be a really great defender. So, uh, you know, I have concerns about these guys, about other guys being, you know, stars or, or cracking rotations in, in their high levels. I don't know if Taylor Hendricks has a really high-level star ceiling but he's a good athlete he's going to be a good defender he's going to be a really good shooter i just don't see him failing i think he's going to be a great role player from the jump and that's what you're getting i really like taylor Hendricks. i have him at number seven i think that there's a couple things he does at an extremely high level number one being a sharp shooter at six eight 39 from deep 78 from the line and he just has that awesome ability that guys of that height do where he can just face up, square up, shoot right in your mouth, and it's a solid look. And he really doesn't need much of a window, and that's a real, real weapon. The pick-and-pop game for him was crazy effective when deployed. He's not the kind of guy who necessarily UCF was drawing up lots of action for him off of screens or anything like that. Didn't have a crazy level of activity off ball, but he's a four. He's not like a wing-wing, so I don't think you need that. Like, he's going to get high-quality looks created for him. And then his other scoring elements, he's a decent closeout attacker and finisher. I think he sort of lacks the creativity to finish super well in traffic, and he, like, doesn't have high-end burst or a high-end handle but the pump and go can be effective he can get by people like that and he has these moments where he's very aggressive finishing above the rim but part of what I love about his game is that he should be able to really attack mismatches out of the post he has this combination of face-up jumpers and hooks good body control like legitimate skill there he was a 93rd percentile post score this past season not super high volume but it is a legitimate part of his game transition another area he was super effective 95th percentile runs the floor well lob target potential trailer from deep all of those things so again he's not like an initiator sort of wing type but he has all of these complementary roles that he can really excel in offensively and then defensively I think is an awesome prospect like I think tier one in this class he has such great length that he legitimately forces some air balls out there just with his closeouts very agile mover on the perimeter high motor guy does a good job of closing out but not closing out too hard to where guys can beat him off the bounce and I think is going to be extremely switchable out of pick and roll a guy you can throw in some looks as a small ball five and who can really defend the post well not super easily moved there affects a lot with his length even though he is a little bit slider people didn't bully him at least in college and it's not the same level of competition but I do think he holds up relatively well there his help side rim protection is going to be really good he's a really good defensive playmaker 1.7 steals 0.9 blocks per game and just massive and long and athletic kind of reminds me of Jonathan Isaac when I watch him out there defensively Isaac's a little bit bigger and healthy Jonathan Isaac was a crazy defensive player but Hendricks does a lot really well on that side of the ball and is a very good positional rebounder so I think a guy who projects as a high two-way fill a bunch of roles and do them really well kind of guy I like him a lot I honestly can't believe 
that one guy hasn't been named Logan. And if he's not here, then I'm going to ask about it. Who's number 11 for you? Uh, it's a Sar Thompson. And I understand okay, why. That's who I was going to ask um, about. Yeah, I, I figured, and I know, and I want to emphasize guys, I'm not like super low on a Sar. 7 to 11, this Jairus Walker to a Sar range for me is super, super slim. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, very marginal. I could have had, you know, I played with basically all the guys from 7 to 11. I played in between. And so I'm very high on Asar too, but I just think there's a few things that concern me in the half court with him. I'll start with praising him. Uh, he can jump out of this building. I think he's a really good decision maker and good passer. Um, I think he can play within the flow of an offense really well uh, where he doesn't need to dominate on ball. He's got solid but not great burst. Uh, I think off ball is going to be Ooh. an instinctive cutter. Uh, Solid yeah. burst. I don't think he has elite burst, and I don't really think I, I don't think that his handle is on that level of an Amen Thompson. I think he's a little bit more disturbed in the half court uh, than his brother. Yeah, I think that that's my that's my chief concern with the Sars. I don't know if he's a legit initiator at this next level, but in terms of a connecting piece, I think he can be great. Um, I wonder about him as an off-ball shooter, too. You know, he's a 30% shooter, 66% from the line. Yeah, man, I just wonder about him in terms of creating out of the pick-and-roll and isolation. Um, he doesn't have a great scoring bag in terms of pull-ups, floaters, touch shots. I don't think his burst is insane. I don't think his handle is on the level of a men. So I just wonder about him as a primary initiator. But I do like him in all the other areas. Uh, as an off-ball cutter, as an athlete jumping out of the building, I like him in adjusting to contact and layups. I think he's a great at-rim finisher. And I think the thing that really I need to hammer home is he's a great defender. He is a legitimately great defender. He's reactive. He's instinctive. He moves his feet really well. He's really laterally quick. Uh, he averaged 2.4 steals per game last season, 1.1 blocks per game. So I think he does a lot of things well. I think he's a great connective piece. I think he can be a great instinctual cutter off ball. Um, but I don't know about his scoring skill set. I don't know about him initiating uh, like his brother as well. Um, yeah, th those are those are my biggest concerns, Carson. Why don't you tell me why you're uh, way higher than me uh, on Asar? It's just very tough for me to see seven spots of gap between these two. Like, I mm -hmm. do agree that he's not on a men's level in terms of his feel, ball handling, playmaking, but he's still really damn good for a six foot seven guy. Like, tons of creativity as a playmaker. All the stuff I talk about with a men. Like, he's throwing one-hand passes with velocity. He's throwing lobs and skip passes and bounce passes. And he's got all of the insane angles that they do at their height. His drive and kick game is lethal. He's a really good heads-up transition playmaker. So, maybe he doesn't quite have the same, like, control of the game. But he's got a really good handle still. And so... I also think he's just an elite, like, out-of-this-world athlete. I think he's right there with the men. They are two of the craziest blends of quickness and vertical athleticism at that size that I can think of ever seeing. I think he is a dominant transition player. Again, if he is the one pushing himself or if he's filling a lane, running the floor hard. He is an explosive cutter. A man will hit him with these lobs cutting baseline, and you just think, oh, my God, these guys are ridiculous and he's not quite as effective around the rim as a man I do think that that's a difference in their game like a men shot 66% on twos this past year Asar shot 56 so that is a legitimate difference 
So, yeah, maybe he's not the same kind of primary ball handler, but I think there are other things that he does better. I think he's an even better defensive player. I mean, absolutely ridiculous hands. Three and a half stocks per game this past season and excels in every area that a man does. And then I think off ball, his shot is cleaner, smoother, and better than his brother's to me. He shot 36% on spot up threes this past season. And now those are often conceded to him because people would rather that he beat them with his shot than his athleticism. And he's still not a good shooter overall. 30% from deep, 66% from the line. And he definitely lacks a pull-up game. His mechanics get a little bit wonkier there. But I think as a spot-up shooter is clearly further along than his brother. So I think combine that with his cutting, with his ability to just read the floor and make plays for others, he works in more of an off-ball role. But he can also run some pick-and-roll and put pressure on the rim and create looks for his teammates. So... I just think they're too similar to have that kind of gap. I think he has too much star upside because I think the insane athleticism, the insane two-way ceiling, the dominant transition game, the versatility of roles he can play offensively, still really high-level playmaking, I just value all that. I think he's a top-five guy. That's where I have him, my number-five player in this class. Yeah, I think that I want to, like, all the guys in my top 11, I'm very high on. I think there's a little bit of a drop-off from... 11 to 12 not a super big drop off but i like all those guys a little more i'm just really concerned about asar in the half court i i I agree i like him a lot um i'm just concerned about his bucket getting in the half court man all right so who do you have at number 12 uh number 12 i have grady dick and i think that uh we're getting into the tier of like you know really good complimentary pieces really good role players but I think he lacks star upside. You know, I don't see Grady Dick being a a star in this league, but I think he's going to be a great role player. Um, Off ball, he is going to be phenomenal. I think you're looking Mm -hmm. at a guy like, like better Christian Brown, like better scoring Christian Brown. I think you're still getting a dog, a hustler, uh, but like, damn man, he's, he's, his his shot is butter. Like the one Mm -hmm. dribble pull up is nasty. His pull up jumper is nasty. He's really crafty. He uses all these head pump uh, ball fakes to, uh, to get to his spots. He's a really good cutter, an off-ball mover, and relocator. He's a crafty finisher. Um, he doesn't have crazy burst, but he's got long strides. Um, he can make uh, open man and cross-court passes. Like He's not an elite playmaker, but he's a good decision maker. And at the NBA level, too, I think you can run legitimate actions for him outside of letting him just stick off ball and do his own thing. I think you can you know, run pin downs. I think you can run dribble handoffs. Mm-hmm. I think you can run actions for him. They're going to lead to really good offense. But the selling point here is uh, how he compliments guys. He's a hustler. He should be a good defender. I don't think he's a crazy athlete. Like I don't think you're looking at a great defender here, but he's uh, going to hustle. And then, again, off ball is – a deadly, deadly shooter who can just get to his spot. So I think I think Grady's just a crafty, crafty, two-way, really good role player that I think will fit alongside basically anybody that you put him next to. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, I wrote a little summary of every player for myself, just sort of one sentence, and mine for Grady is elite shooter who fits in anywhere due to versatility, IQ, and playmaking. He's going to find a role, and he's going to do that job Well, legitimately awesome shooter. Like over half of his field goal attempts came from deep and he was 40%, 85% from the line. You mentioned 
you can run actions for him off ball all day. He is highly active there. So if it's design pin downs or if it's him just moving to open space, he's a good movement shooter and he's going to demand constant defensive attention away from the ball. He's very good in transition because he runs the floor hard and he has that shooting. He's an aggressive closeout attacker, confident guy, tends to get to his mid-range and floaters, not all the way downhill because he doesn't have a great first step, but good touch in that intermediate range. And then pretty good cutter and offensive rebounder too. So just in all the off-ball categories is helping you and does have some legit on-ball creation. Like it's not his primary role, it never will be, but he was a 97th percentile pick and roll ball handler, Logan. I think part of that is he is a really good pull-up shooter with a step back that he loves and is pretty butter. But I like his playmaking a lot. He's decisive coming around screens and is a legit plus there. I think is capable of hitting the roller with anticipation, makes nice pocket passes, but isn't just keyed in on the roller. Like he will dissect to shooters, to cutters, and he can see a lot with his height as a larger ball handler. So, I mean, if he had like high-end burst, I would see legit star potential for him. But he doesn't have that, and then he doesn't have that sort of like great change in pace, pick and roll manipulation. They can get guys who don't have high-end burst into that tier. But when it comes to like getting good shots away from the ball and doing the simple stuff really well out of pick and roll, he's legit. There's legit secondary creation there. And defensively, I agree. I mean, solid size, plays a lot of effort, just not too quick laterally, not too strong. So I think he's going to be pretty average there. But his smoothness, his versatility offensively, I just like betting on guys like that. So I have him at number 10 and I honestly sort of see a drop off between him and like Kaysan Wallace for me. It's not a super pronounced one, but I was pretty clear about I'm going to have Grady Dick at 10. Here I think things really open up. So very different orders, but we have the same top 12. Who do you have at 13? Because I considered a bunch of guys for these last two spots. Yeah, as did I. I think this is a uh... This is a really interesting part of the draft. At number 13, I have Kobe Bufkin. Oh, and, uh, same here. I wrote down uh, one. my one line about Kobe Bufkin is, Kobe Bufkin gets buckets, man. Uh, <laughs> you are looking at one of the flat-out best scorers in this draft, and I think immediately can be a spark plug off the bench or a sixth man. Uh, I comped him to smarter lefty Jordan Poole um, <laughs> and uh, like bigger Bones Highland. I just think you're looking at a bucket, man. 0.87 points per possession as a pick-and-roll ball handler. That's 73rd percentile. 64th percentile as a spot-up shooter. 78th transition. 66th off-off-ball screens. And 88th percentile on DHOs. I just think you're looking at a really versatile bucket. Um, he has a lack of great burst or shiftiness, but he's very crafty. You give him space, and this guy will go to work. Um, he really likes his pull-up jumpers and tough shots. He is a tough shot maker. He shot nearly 49% on long twos this last season. Uh, he's a creative finisher around the rack with both hands, and uh, he's good at attacking mismatches. He's just really, really crafty. He's a really good pick-and-roll creator and operator. I think you give him a screen, and you just let him go to work. You give him a screen, you give him space, you let him go to work. Uh and he's a pretty good active on-ball defender with good hands. You know, he doesn't have crazy size, mm -hmm. crazy athleticism, where he's going to be a great two-way guy. But I don't think he's a negative. So 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you're looking at a, a star-level guard, but he's a very talented scorer and I think immediately can get you buckets off the bench and can fill that role exceptionally well, man. He's a really talented scorer. Yeah, I like him. I think he has a nice combination of scoring and playmaking skill and solid size at 6'4 with a 6'8 wingspan. Plays with this sort of crafty pace out of pick and roll and is an unselfish playmaker a good live dribble passer and he's not always the most accurate playmaker and he can be turnover prone trying to force the issue that there at times but I just like guys who try that stuff guys who can see that those passes are on the table I think bodes very well for their development and their playmaking ceilings down the line he's so close to being a really good playmaker and it's something he could refine and then I just compared to some of the other guards who I was considering here like for example a Jalen Hood Shafino. He has a level of fluidity of prowess as a jump shooter over 35% from deep, 85% from the line. And I do think, I mean, he doesn't have like blazing quickness, but I would say it's higher end and still not like a top tier rim pressure kind of guy, but skilled finisher in the paint, really nice mid-range pull-up game and can be versatile offensively on or off ball, I think. And it's nice to have a guy who can be that sort of secondary creator and then also be a really good spot-up shooter. Another thing that with Jalen hood Shafino, I just give an edge to Kobe Bufkin. And then defensively, I agree with you. Like, it's not going to be a significant plus. He's slight. He's not super big. But I think he's got good traits there. Length, mobility, competitive instincts. So I like his game overall. Who do you have at number 14? Yeah, this spot's tough, man. I, I struggled between like four guys for this final spot. Uh, so shout out Nick Smith Jr., shout out Jalen Hood Scafino, mm -hmm. shout out Colby Jones, uh, shout out Julian Strother. I, I like all those guys a lot, but my number 14 spot I'm going to give to Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina. Um, mm. And you know what's interesting, man? Gigi was very inefficient uh, at South Carolina. He's very also, very much so a black hole. On offense when Gigi Jackson wanted to take his possession it was his possession and you were not touching the ball that was that was his bucket he was gonna go out there and get it zero to three assists to turnover ratio um, abysmal I think he has to pick up on his general shot selection um, and I think he has to just be a willing passer and an engaged defender at the next level teams will not flat-out play him at the next level if he is not willing to share the ball and not willing to play defense like my comps Michael Beasley, Big Lance Stevenson, and Clearance <laughs> yeah. Carmelo Anthony. Those were my comps for him. But there is a lot to like about him and why he's in my lottery. Uh, he's just 18 years old. He is the youngest player in this year's draft class. Um, he's got a smooth, buttery jumper, high release, quick, very hard to affect. He has every jumper in his bag, pull-ups, turnarounds, fadeaways. Uh, he made 55 threes and 45 pull-ups last season. He was just a 35% uh, excuse me, 34% catch and shooter. I think that needs to improve if he's going to be off ball, but he's got a decent handle. And again, it's 6'9", man, with those long strides, can just kind of get to space the way other guys can't. He's very physical, uses his uh, strength and size uh, to get to his spots. And he ran a lot of pick and roll at South Carolina where I think he's a little more developed in terms of handling uh, with, uh, you know, out of the pick and roll than a lot of other guys. And I think he lacks explosive burst in the lead athleticism, but makes it up with his length, with his physical play, and with his overall shooting. So right now, 
I don't even think Gigi Jackson is an NBA player. I don't think he's a guy that's cracking your rotation from day mm-hmm. one. I think Jackson needs refinement. I think he needs to go to the G League for this upcoming season. I think he needs to work on his game. But for me, a guy who is 6'9", 215 pounds, an advanced pick-and-roll ball handler at his age, I think he's a guy that you should take a flyer on who has star upside. And so, yeah, yeah, I think he needs work. Uh, but there's a, just a little too much for me to like in terms of on-ball creation, in terms of tough shot making, uh, for me to not draft him highly, I think he has star upside, but he needs he needs a lot of work. He needs to just get he just needs refinement. I think there's a lot of work that goes into it, but there's a little too much intrigue for me uh, to wait on him to take him in the late first round. Interesting. I did not consider Gigi for one of these spots. I think the youth dimension of it all is an intriguing one right when you consider the potential for growth but he's definitely got some game to him i mean he's got some of that difficult shot making but he also took a lot of really bad tough shots and didn't necessarily manufacture a bunch of high probability easy ones like 38 percent from the field 42 percent on twos i'm not sure that he's a great shooter 68 percent from the line 32 percent from deep and i think long way to go as a playmaker so yeah I think there definitely needs to be some refinement there but honestly there needs to be refinement for the guy who I have at number 14 as well I just have a bit more faith in his traits translating but I have Wemby's buddy and teammate Bilal Koulibaly at my number 14 spot who I think has been a riser as of late it really comes down to defensive impact and physical attributes. The dude is 6'7 with a 7'3 wingspan. I think is going to be awesome defensively. Like that is elite length. He's got really good feet. He plays hard. He's got a good frame. And navigating screens can be a bit of a challenge, but like shot blocking potential, defensive playmaking, and he just sticks to guys, man. You don't get easy drives when he's on you. And then offensively, I think has shown progress as this year has gone on. His role and productivity have increased. His shot is a question. He was 36.5% from deep, but just 63% from the line across this season. And I think mechanically it looks okay. It's not the most fluid, beautiful thing I've ever seen. So that's going to be a big swing trait for him. And I wish that we had more of a sample size there, but we don't. It's only like 63s that he's attempted. But I really like his straight line drive closeout attacking. He is quick. He's aggressive. He has these flashes of skill going behind the back. And he's a good finisher. And then he's really good running the floor in transition. Athletic. Aggressive above the rim. Legitimately very good cutter with a really good feel for timing. And he's not going to be a creator to me. Like, just doesn't have offensive polish right now. It's a lot of raw athleticism. Lots of defensive potential. And then I believe a solid ability to space the floor, but he's not even 19 yet either. So two of the youngest players in this class. I do want to shout out Nick Smith because he was the number one prospect in his class. For those of you who don't know at Arkansas and has like some really dynamic scoring guard moments where this wiggle fluidity, twitchiness, right? The hesitations, the pull-up jump shooting, the handle, the ability to at times snake out a pick and roll and manipulate defenders, some playmaking moments. I definitely considered him. He's fallen 
obviously from where he once was, but the dude's got a lot of talent. I just think he's going to be really dependent on his pure scoring ability, and he was pretty darn inconsistent there this year. So I don't want to bet on him quite as a lottery guy. We've talked about out of Indiana, Hood Shafino. I love his playmaking. I think he's really impressive there. I just think his scoring efficiency is a a big concern. He was 49% true shooting in college and an inconsistent three-point shooter, a guy who I don't think is going to thrive off ball because of his spot-up issues and just doesn't have a bunch of avenues to create very efficient offense for himself in the half court, although his playmaking is really impressive. And then one more guy I want to shout out who Logan, when we talked during the NCAA tournament, you were very high on is Jordan Hawkins, who I don't think does enough at a high level to be here, but is such a great pure shooter and all around off ball weapon with just the constant effort that he gives there made almost three triples a night at almost 39% efficiency while he's shooting almost 90% from the line. He's not a plus playmaker. He's not like a real plus defender. So I don't think he can be lottery, but there's just a floor that comes with that pure shooting ability that intrigued me a little bit here. So there you have it, guys. Our big boards through the lottery. We are going to be coming with more draft content as promised. Mocks answering some of the biggest questions that we have. And then we're going to have some live draft coverage and, of course, reactions and more thoughts the day after. So stay tuned for all of that. If you enjoyed this show and you're watching on the Volume YouTube page, please subscribe. If you are listening across any audio platform, well, then you know that you can find us anywhere, Spotify, Apple, etc. You can also follow us across social media. TikTok and Instagram are at NerdSesh. Twitter is at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can join our Discord at the link tree across any of our social media bios. And just stay tuned in with, to everything that we're doing here at NerdSesh. And you can also get some of the new merch that we have. Get yourself a hat, a hoodie, a shirt, and whatnot. So appreciate you guys as always. With that, I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was NerdSesh. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> That. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.